purposely. Your life, God's purpose. Listen at onpurposely.com. In praying for wisdom, James 1.5, he'll give wisdom in any situation to any of us at any time. And I asked for wisdom and God answered. And I said no to the doctors. I won't keep taking the prescription. We had my blood sent to the Center for Disease Control. They confirmed there's toxic levels. And if I would keep taking it for another month, I probably wouldn't be here today. So I know that life is a gift. And I know that God used that pain that I went through, so brutal, to forge and fuel a new purpose and passion in my life. I'm Julie Lyles Carr. This is the All Mom Does Podcast, part of the Purposely Podcast Network. I have a guest on today. And listen, this is going to make my husband so jealous because y'all know we are a soccer family. And down here in Austin, Texas, we've got Austin FC. And you better believe that Mike Carr is at all of the games and has all of the gear. And we got all the green and all the things. And so when you have a soccer star come on the show, you just know that Mike's probably going to listen to this one. Jesse Bradley, thank you so much for being on the show today. Julie, I appreciate it. Thanks for your podcast, all the ways you inspire people. I've been looking forward to the conversation. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. And so I gave a little bit of a hint, Jesse, that you have had a history in soccer. And that's where my husband's going to be so jealous that I got to have this conversation. But back me all the way up. Tell the listener where you're from, what you do, all the stuff. And then we'll jump into your soccer story here in a bit. It's great. I'm currently a pastor in Seattle. And You know, I kind of got here by surprise in terms of faith. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't go to church. I went to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. And while I was there, I took an introduction to world religions class. The professor assigned the Bible. Interesting that the professor undermined scripture during the class, but the word of God is powerful. And as I read the Gospel of John, it changed my life. I had many questions. You know, I never talked to anyone growing up that said they were a Christian. That gives you a picture of what my life was like. And I was just focused on academics, athletics, and having a good time with friends. And in this class, I didn't believe in God, but I started to have questions. And I really started to kick the tires. Who is Jesus? Is the Bible reliable? What's the resurrection? A man named Mike on my dorm floors on the track team answered my questions patiently. I was reading the Bible and reading Mike. I think we all need a place, a safe place to process. And I grew up in a family kind of like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors spiritually. And it took me a year of both engaging with my mind and then in my heart, I had success on the outside. I like to say in our lives, we have two stories, the outside story and the inside story. The outside story is what people see and perceive, maybe on social media, they get a few glimpses of you. The inside story is the real story. And you know it, God knows it. God knows you completely and loves you fully. That's the good news. But I was empty on the inside without God. And God always pursues us, loves us. He draws us to himself. And eventually I stopped resisting and fighting. And I realized he's too good not to say yes. And this is a relationship. That's what stood out as I studied different religions. This is a relationship, and this is built on grace, an undeserved gift. We don't earn it. We don't achieve it. And I said, yes, receive the gift and follow Jesus. The best decision of my life. That was in college, and that's where it kind of shocked my family. I became a pastor. So just wanted to give a little bit of the background journey in my faith. And then also, uh, my wife and I have four children. They're all teenagers. So we have handed over the keys to one of them. And now the second one is driving. 
we are learning to give them more freedom and we're you know just a lot of changes during the teenage years we're right in the middle of that there's no perfect formula there's no manual one book and it's Every day we get down on our knees and we're asking God for wisdom. We're loving our kids, trying to figure out the next day. It's a stretch and reliance on God's a good place to be. And also our church here, Grace Community Church, we're a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church. We've been here over 70 years. Billy Graham came in the 1950s, shared the gospel under the Space Needle downtown, and people came to know Jesus. That was the start of our church. And wow. I'm thrilled uh, to be here. And Seattle's a unique place, the second highest de-churched in terms of all cities in America, top 10 unchurched. It's when I see people and talk to people, I can relate. I understand. You know, I was checking out my groceries just a couple days ago, and the one person who I was working with said that they're going to come back as a butterfly and show me their butterfly tattoo. And then the other person over there chimed in and said, Yeah, and I'm going to come back as a bird and show the bird tattoo. And I just kind of joked, like, what am I, a bald eagle? You know, coming back, <laughs> I don't believe in, re- in any kind of reincarnation. We live once. Um, I'm bald. I was just trying to build rapport. But those are the kind of lively conversations in Seattle. That's a glimpse of ministry. I love to go where people are. There's a long answer, Julie, but uh, just getting to know uh, everyone here. And I think everyone's story is significant and important. And I appreciate the opportunity to, to share with you today. Absolutely. And, you know, that statistically makes you so much of a unicorn. (laughs) Maybe it's a unicorn, not a bald eagle. That makes you such a unicorn because for so many people, if they haven't come to relationship in Christ by their very early teens, and you know, it's funny, I think we're probably going to see that number even shift and adjust through the years, even younger. If they haven't come to that place of faith, the odds that they will encounter and believe in Christ as they are in those 20s, mid 20s, 30s, that becomes exceptionally rare. So you have such, we all have unique testimonies. And yours is statistically significant. That's such a powerful thing to see the Word of God speak to you in a way that you didn't expect. So Jesse, tell me, I know, obviously, as I was teasing at the beginning of the episode, you got to do something in your life that you long wanted to do, which was to become a professional athlete. So talk to me about that journey. You go to college, I'm assuming you're playing college athletics, a door opens, you start to have faith in God, and then you also have a door open for professional athletics. That must have been such a pivotal season in your life. Talk to me about that. Yeah, when I was two years old, I told my parents I want to grow up and be a professional athlete. And we lived at the University of Minnesota, football stadium, parking lot, in an apartment there. Sports were a big part of my life. I played three sports in high school, and we won state championships, had success. Then at Dartmouth, we won Ivy League titles, had a great team, great culture. The leader, the coach always sets the tone. We're like family. We still keep in touch. Those relationships, it's a lifelong bond. Those friendships mean so much to me. And the dream continued. And I was a goalkeeper. If you know anything about soccer, there's one position where you can use your hands. There's one position that's unique. People say you have to be a little crazy to be a goalkeeper. Yep, yep. They are courageous. You have to be a little courageous to be a goalkeeper. But it is a position where the basketball coach, you know, I was playing basketball uh, and that was going well. The soccer coach saw that and thought he could be a goalkeeper. Sometimes someone will see potential in you before you do and they'll draw that out. And my passion was basketball, but that wasn't my potential. And sometimes we need to make shifts because we might be strong in one area initially, but that mid-course redirection from God to keep going. And I had an incredible opportunity. I played in Scotland 
And then after I graduated professionally, my coach was a legend in Europe and he had so many relationships. And I was trying to choose between Queen Parks Rangers, also Manchester United, and then going to Africa. And the obvious place would be to go to England to one of the biggest clubs in the world. Yeah. But prayed about it and God led to Zimbabwe. And part of that, I saw beyond soccer. And I knew in Zimbabwe for the first time in my life, I would come up close to drought, AIDS, famine, poverty. I would see injustice. I would see a country as a lack of resources. And yet what surprised me is how much hope, hospitality, love, the kids singing in the classrooms just with pure joy. And I thought, if they can rise above this, you know, gratitude, hospitality is not about what you have in your home, it's about what you have in your heart. And the inner life is so important. And I saw faith lived out there in an exceptional way. And I was learning all this while helping on the side with students, playing as a goalkeeper. And it was a dream come true. Signing the contract, you know, the stadiums, the passion for soccer overseas, international sport, the friendships. If you've ever felt like life is going one way and the dream came true, and then all of a sudden it shuts down, that, that's what happened to me because I thought I'd be a goalkeeper till I was 40. I didn't have any other plans. I had no second career on my radar. I was a psychology major. I didn't want to go into counseling. That kind of drains me after a few hours a week. I knew I couldn't do that full time. So I didn't have a backup plan. I was a goalkeeper in Africa and thoroughly enjoying it. And then you had something come along the way that is so unexpected and so not what you ever would have thought would have presented risk. I was reading through some information about you and part of your story, and you ended up taking a medicine to prevent malaria and had a horrific reaction to it, which ultimately left you incapacitated to be able to play soccer. So talk me through what happened, because obviously you've made this choice to go to Africa. If you're in Africa, you're going to be taking medication to prevent something like malaria. So you're doing something that would be very expected and so rare for someone to have this kind of reaction. When did you realize that something was wrong? When did you go, wait a minute, this is not the way this is supposed to be going? It took many months because there were no warnings about the medication. I took it as prescribed weekly. And ironically, what was supposed to protect me was actually killing me. Mm. Sometimes that happens with the medication. Sadly, sometimes it happens with certain people, maybe that you're underneath. But the tragedy started to unfold. And I noticed I had migraine headaches. And I never have headaches, but I couldn't handle any light or any noise. And then there was waves of like depression, anxiety, that didn't fit my emotional equilibrium. And my heart started to rapidly beat. Tachycardia, 160 beats a minute sitting still. And the doctors watching these symptoms play out sent me back to America. And as I came home, the symptoms intensified. And then I developed with my heart atrial flutter and heart murmurs, skip beats, pain in the left side of my chest day and night. I couldn't even sleep because the area where my heart is was in so much pain. And as I was sorting through this, there was about 10 physical symptoms going to each doctor. And each physician would say, this isn't the core problem. This isn't the cause, but I have no idea what's happening in your body. And there was not a lot they could do. If you've ever been in that situation where you have serious health problems and the doctors say they don't know what it is and they don't know what they can do, it's scary. And I paid out of pocket, went to Stanford. This was the first physician that listed the medication and the side effects as a possibility. 
And this is where God saved my life because the prescription includes another month after you return to the States. And all the doctors told me, keep taking the drug. Don't stop. Because if I would have malaria on top of my sickness, they thought I would die. Now, I prayed, not an audible voice, but God communicates to us. And that gentle whisper confirmed in my mind, it's the medication, don't take anymore. And praying for wisdom, James 1.5, he'll give wisdom in any situation to any of us at any time. And I asked for wisdom and God answered. And I said no to the doctors. I won't keep taking the prescription. We had my blood sent to the Center for Disease Control. They confirmed there's toxic levels. And if I would keep taking it for another month, I probably wouldn't be here today. So I know that life is a gift. And I know that God used that pain that I went through, so brutal, to forge and fuel a new purpose and passion in my life. And God helped me to start making a lot of different shifts that weren't even on my radar. And C.S. Lewis says, pain is that megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And it got my attention. And that's when I really started going deep with God too. Jesse, what do you have to say to someone? You know, we have listeners who they're doing the right things. You know, they're trying to do the things that people have said, hey, this is how you help your kids grow in faith, or this is what you need to do to nurture your marriage, or they have a pregnancy that they have long prayed for, and then something goes sideways. You know, there are those situations that we can look back and look at our own behaviors and go, you know, I wasn't acting in wisdom in that situation, or God kept waving a red flag at me and I was determined to head down this particular path. But then we sometimes have situations where it isn't about what we have done or that we've blown it or there's sin involved. Something just really goes sideways even when we have the best intent in mind. How did you grapple with that? Because I think so often in our Christian communities, we talk a lot about making the right choices so we can have an abundant life, so we can live the way that Jesus wanted us and died for us to have. And yet we can encounter these situations. It makes me think about Paul going on a missionary journey, ends up in a shipwreck, survives the shipwreck, and then gets bitten by a snake. Like at some point I'd be thinking, maybe I wasn't supposed to go on a missionary journey. That sounded like a good thing to do, but maybe I shouldn't have done that. So how did you make peace with all of that? What is something that you can share with the listener to say, hey, you know, yeah, you are doing the right things. And sometimes things just don't turn out the way we expect. How did you reconcile that? It's a great question, Julie. I think we all wrestle with that. There's some mystery. Even as we read the Bible, there's some things God clearly causes. There's some things he allows. We live in a fallen world. And then there's some things he actually doesn't like. Cain kills Abel. It's wrong. And yet all these different things happen and we don't always have clarity on the why. I don't feel like I ever completely knew why this happened. And what came out of it for me is that I was clinging to God. Psalm 63, verse 8. I learned how to pour out my heart to God. Psalm 62, verse 8. And I learned to abide with Jesus. In that, I stayed in the community of faith. I started to cultivate new habits. I started to read the Bible more, started to memorize the Bible. I started to reject the negative first thoughts 
that would say, your life's never going to amount to anything. You'll never get better. There's no hope for you. I'd have to reject those all day long. I was a goalkeeper keeping the ball out of the back of the net physically. Now I'm in goalkeeper mode during the day, rejecting all these first thoughts, replacing them with God's thoughts, replacing them with scripture, choosing Bible verses to focus on during the day just so I could make it. Listen, now I can kind of describe it. I can talk about hope habits. At the time, I was in survival mode for many years, and it's hard to make sense of it. Life is unpredictable. It was raw. It's messy. It's disappointing. And yet, we look about Jesus and what he went through. He was perfect. He was faithful. He was on track all the time with the Father, and he was murdered. And he laid down his life as well. Clearly a choice. But look how he was mistreated. Sometimes in America, we think the Christian life is like a Hallmark card and it's cushy and it's just gonna all work out for me because my best life is, you know, I have my big house and my pool and I've got my, my whole family that's perfectly healthy and I got my big bank account. And listen, what does the Bible actually say? Paul says, I wanna know Christ, the power of his resurrection and share in the fellowship of his sufferings. This is what I know, God won't forsake you. God redeems. He does his greatest work in the darkest moments, and he can bring great experiences out of the worst situations. And he will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to their purpose. But it's going to be a life of reliance, and in our weakness, he's powerful. And we need the Lord desperately every day. There's something in the flesh that wants to get to the point where it's like, I don't need Jesus as much. No, the more we grow in our faith, we need Jesus even more. We need the Holy Spirit's help even more. And there is, you're just not going to have life in your back pocket. Like, I've got the formula, I've got the principles. Like, even if you have the principles, you still need God's help every day. You know, I went to seminary. It was great training. I'm grateful for the time in the Word. But every day in ministry, I'm just crying out to God for help, and that doesn't change. Like every day in parenting, right? It's like, God, I need you today. And this is what God says. My grace is sufficient for you. That's where you land it. That God is going to give you whatever you need to be faithful today. God is going to be faithful to be there for you, to encourage you, to empower you. And isn't it interesting that the very things we need are the very things the Holy Spirit brings. Right, right. We are in pain. We need comfort. We need direction. That's what the Holy Spirit does, leading us and guiding us, right? We need God's supernatural strength. The Holy Spirit helps us. We know we get lonely. The Holy Spirit's always with us. So I just say lean in to the Holy Spirit. Be filled, lean in, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Reliance is glorious. Right. I love that line. Reliance is glorious. That's beautiful. Let's take a little bit of a turn because you said that from a very early age, you had declared, I want to be a professional athlete. And you you pursued athletics for much of your young life. You know, here in the U.S., we have a lot of parents who are putting all kinds of time and finance and hope into athletics for their kids. We have exploding, you know, select clubs of this and all this different stuff. And yet, you know, I think that that can be so great and such an amazing training ground. I think the lines can get really blurry between what a parent wants and what a kid actually really wants. There can also be a certain level of planning towards something when it comes to thinking your kid will get the scholarship to the school. So you're spending the money that would be in the college fund to get them into that next particular team or that travel team or whatever. We're pretty consumed with it. 
What do you think now, looking back, having had a passion for it, having parents who helped you pursue that passion, getting to pursue a career in it for a period of time, and now coming out the other side doing something completely different, where do you think we need some help and some guidance as parents today when we have kids who show some athletic promise or we really want them to be in athletics or whatever? What do you, what do you say to parents? Julie, you could start another podcast on youth sports because yeah. you have some incredible <laughs> insights, I can tell. And for every parent that's watching, real practical, I'd start out with let the coach coach. Don't be the coach on the sidelines. And also just honor the referee. Because if there was a referee cam that showed parents and what they're saying and yelling, and then that went on social media, it'd be embarrassing for a lot of parents. And it's embarrassing for the kids sometimes. We had a phrase my sisters would use, yum, with my parents. You're embarrassing me. It's just yum. <laughs> so stay out of the yum zone. If you're, you know, and you're passionate about sports, you're trying to live vicariously through your kid, give them some freedom. Let them choose their sport, their position. Let them do it their style. That's so important. Listen, it's a lifestyle and an investment. And there's a lot of time. There's a lot of like chauffeur. You might feel like the chauffeur, a lot of driving. It's weekends. And there's a lot of commitment to it, effort. The whole family's involved. So it's good to think through that. Now, you're going to feel like a chauffeur, but instead shift in that role. Take the time in the car to go deeper. Ask them some questions. Draw them out. Maybe level one, level two, and level three. Level three is the deepest questions. Work your way down and get to those questions. Use that time to connect. Also, build community. The other parents that you're going to get to know. Sports can bring us together. Different uh, backgrounds, ethnicities. Like it's, it's amazing what can happen on the sidelines. Again, if you're intentional, you're loving, it's love your neighbor wherever you go. You can shine the light of Jesus as well. Uh, invite people to church. Start to build those relationships. With your child after a game. Let's get practical again. They come into the car, don't just point out the three things they did wrong, right? Don't say, you got to hustle back quickly on defense, you got to talk more out there, I need you to be aggressive right away. No, no, no. Ask them, what do you think you did well today? Let them respond. Ask them, are there any areas you want to improve? Let them own it, empower them, draw them out. So these conversations, youth sports can get weird quickly. Find the right coach. Do a little research. Find a coach that's you know, a good communicator, that's competent, that builds community, that has good character. Why? Because a coach, similar to a teacher, is going to have a massive impact on the lives of those kids. And the coach sets the culture. You find the great coach, the team's going to be in a great spot. So take the time to do some research with different clubs, options, get to know the coach. Once you trust the coach, that's a great environment. That's worth it right there. So those are a few thoughts that, that come to mind, but overall, enjoy it. Sports are to be enjoyed. And it's not just about if your child makes division one or division three or professional. What's happening is that your child is learning teamwork, your child is learning discipline, your child is learning leadership, your child is learning the value of exercise and developing habits. Also, it's helpful for mental health to be involved in sports and activities. There's so many benefits. Don't see it as, you know, there's the end goal, we've got to get there. Instead, enjoy the journey and watch your child develop and grow in many aspects of their lives and give them lots of freedom and support. Stay positive if you're on the sidelines. 
Absolutely. I, it's a little shameless plug here, but I actually have a chapter in my book, Raising an Original, about this very thing, whether it's sports or different kinds of artistic pursuits, whatever, that the thing is not the thing. Like it's not It's not really about the soccer or the peewee, whatever. It's really about what you've talked about, making sure that we understand teamwork, having community with other people, all of that. You know, that time also that we have in the car, we should have our listeners check out God on the Go, which is another podcast that we've launched, which is about about making the minutes matter. It's designed exactly for that. When you're in the car, on your way to the soccer practice, to school, whatever, where you can take those minutes and make them matter as you're with your kids. And to your point, one thing that I think is amazing is how many people forget about their faith when they're in the stands watching their kids play a sport. (laughs) How important it is to know that people are always watching us. And if you are rolling up into the parking lot with your church bumper sticker on the back of your minivan, and then you are going crazy on the ref, or you're yelling at the coach, or you're saying all kinds of, you know, really odd, weird things to the other team, it kind of has a negative double count, if you will. I think there are those ways that as witnesses for Jesus, when we really blow it, it kind of I don't know, it has an exponential effect. So to your point, to really make sure we're staying positive in those things, I think is a really important reminder to stay in that zone. That's it. And Julie, one other thing I'd highlight is to help your child avoid a performance-based identity. It's what I had. And in sports, especially with all the affirmation, emphasis on performance, what happens is that when sports left my life, I didn't know who I was. And it's subtle, you don't realize it, but a performance-based identity is a trap and you're either inflated because you're doing well or deflated. There's either pride or there's shame. Who we are is not what we do. And it's so important for a child to shift and have a grace-based identity that their security is gonna be in Jesus and they are loved whether they have a great game or a bad game. That takes pressure off kids and that gives them the right perspective and then they're staying close, God's presence. They can keep sports to where it should be, something you enjoy, not an idol, not above God. Uh, and, And be careful too that sports don't sidetrack the spiritual life of the whole family because it can be consuming. And pretty soon, well, we're not involved in you know, youth group, weekend church, we're not really in a community, and pretty soon sports is the whole lifestyle. There are yeah. some hard decisions, prayerful decisions, but those are some dynamics that you want to navigate through as a, as a spiritual leader and as you guide your child. Oh, those are fantastic. Such, such a big bowl of wisdom right there. Thank you so much for that, Jesse. You know, one of the things that my listeners often wonder about are resources for the guys in their lives. I think we do a pretty good job getting content out to women in different stages of mothering and career and marriage and those kinds of things. And sometimes we forget that there are some other important components of those relationships and the partners that our listeners have, the things that they are needing to be equipped with, the tools that they need. I'm really excited that you have become my podcast network sibling. So we are both part of the Purposely Podcast Network. And you have a new podcast that's launched called The Bonfire, which is for guys. So tell me the premise of The Bonfire, what y'all are going to be talking about, all the things. I'm so honored to join you and Purposely be part of that family. The Bonfire has a couple of meanings. First of all, the bonfire that stands out to me is at Dartmouth College, homecoming every year, massive tradition, the whole student body running around the bonfire, I mean, 40 feet high, 
And when you think about that bonfire in that place, that's where God lit the fire in my soul for the first time, Dartmouth College. Now, the bonfire, God is love, God is light, God is a consuming fire. So primarily, the bonfire is about God's presence. God's greatest gift is his presence. And we get so sidetracked, we make it about performance, or we have so many other things we're chasing. How do we make room in our lives for God? And what does it look like to abide with God, where we live, work, learn, or play? The bonfire is a place where we meet with God, and we gather, and then we grow. And with that growth, we're all learning, lifelong learners. In the first season, we're looking at seven different inspiring people in the Bible. What does it look like for them to carry that fire? Alone, we kind of drift and fade. Like embers, we still carry some fire, but when we come together, there's a bonfire. So as we look at these different, seven different people in the Bible, their journey, what are they learning about God's presence? How are they experiencing more of God's presence in their lives? And then how does that relate to everything they're saying and thinking and doing? Because it's connected. Faith is not compartmentalized. The bonfire has lots of stories. We cover lots of stories of scripture, our lives, and we're joining together for this podcast. It's the first season. If you could listen, rate, review, uh, let us know because we want to shape this together. But we want it to be an experience where we walk away saying, I had an encounter with God. And I really wanted it to be a place where men could gather. A lot of men listen to podcasts and, you know, it's while they're commuting and they're checking out. And they've got their sports podcast. And they've got their fix it podcast. And, you know, they've got a wide range. But do they have a podcast and a place they can go where they connect with God and meet with God and they're built up spiritually and the spiritual temperature in their life changes? That's the heart of the podcast, The Bonfire. And so glad to launch it this month. And as we start out, keep us in your prayers as well. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jesse Bradley, you are so dynamic, so inspiring. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today and taking time out of your busy schedule to give us a little bit of a window into some of the things you've walked through, the things that you have learned. Just so incredible. Where can the listener go to find out more about you and about your ministry and about the podcast, all the stuff? Thank you. And I want to give a shout out to all the moms. I'm so grateful for my wife, Lori. And being in that role, there is so, there's just an abundance of needs, opportunities to serve, where you are giving, you are sacrificing, you are loving. A lot of times nobody sees it, notices it, appreciates it. There's rewards in heaven, but just know that God is with you. God sees all of it. He cares for you. And every single thing you're doing counts and it matters, and you're probably doing a far greater job than you feel like it. So reject, you know, the false guilt, the insecurities, reject all that, and then just keep running that good race, cheering you on. I'm so grateful for this podcast and the great resources that you provide, Julie, for moms as well. Uh, All of our content can be found at jessebradley.org, and that includes a lot of free resources. There's Seven Days of Hope, a seven-day video series, practical habits we can cultivate. So that's one thing. You'll see a lot on there for growing in your faith, inspiration, jessebradley.org, and then on social media, Jesse J. Bradley. Love to connect, hear your story. We're all growing together in our faith. 
Fantastic. Well, Jesse, can't thank you enough. So appreciate you being here. We'll have Rebecca get all of those links into the show notes so you can go check out all the good stuff that Jesse's been talking about. And be sure and check out All Mom Does, allmomdoes.com, All Mom Does on the socials, because you're going to find a community there of women just like you navigating the same kind of questions and challenges and hopes and all the good stuff. So be sure and check that out. I also love to connect with you. I'm Julie Lyles Carr on all the socials. I love to hang out at Instagram the most. So come say hi to me there. We want to hear about any topics or guests that you would like to see on the podcast. You can send that to comments at allmomdoes.com. That's comments at allmomdoes.com. Be sure and give us a five-star rating and review. It really does help us get the word out to other moms. And I will see you next time on the All Mom Does Podcast. Thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a minute to let you know that just like you and your family, Purposely is also part of a family, the Krista Family of Ministries. Krista helps kids and teens learn and grow in their faith at King Schools and Miracle Ranch Camp. And Krista shares Jesus with people in the poorest, most remote places through world concern. Krista Senior Living is a community of love and care, and Krista Media is a place of hope on the radio. God is changing lives through these five ministries, and Krista is on mission to share the good news of Jesus. To learn more, visit krista.org.